And it says this. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot. Who betrayed him? These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belt. Take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my, account, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So, we are back into the series that I'm working through as I preach on discipleship, or I suppose more accurately, following the disciples uh, through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and picking up some of the lessons of the things that they experience, and therefore what we might learn from them, and what we might expect to experience if we are disciples of Jesus. I'm not going to test you. It was a test enough for me to try and remember what we've had so far. First of all, we looked at the the fact that disciples are called. Jesus started off by saying to the disciples, come and follow me. And he had uh, some that were fishermen. And he said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He had Matthew, the tax collector. He said, come and follow me. And people just dropped what they were doing. And partly that would have been because actually... As we looked at, to be a disciple in those days, other people had disciples. The Pharisees and religious leaders would have had disciples. And and all Jewish children uh, or Israelite children will have been taught the the scriptures, or at least the first five books of uh, the scriptures, which are the first five books of the Old Testament. 
And if you were, if you were good enough, by about the age of 11, the religious leader might have said, yeah, you, you, can, you can be one of my followers. You can be one of my disciples. We'll see how it goes. And everybody else will have gone off to work and become fishermen or tax collectors or farmers or whatever it might have been. And then of those that could do the first bit, and they had to learn it to the extent of repeating it and knowing it exactly. The next group were the ones that could do all that, and they then learned much more of the scriptures. And then they would have got older, and they'd have got to the point where they were tested, and the religious leader of the day would have said, okay, I'm going to test you. And they would have said, no, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. So they would have then become whatever they would have become, gone back to their father's business, as it would have been. And so only the very best of the best of the best of the best of the best got to be disciples. The very fact that these disciples that are chosen, the names that are read out in the first part of this passage, that are Simon and Andrew and James and John and the others, the fact that they became Jesus' disciples meant that they weren't anybody else's disciples. They weren't in that kind of top tier of scholarly excellence. They were people doing everyday jobs. The practical jobs, the things that need doing. And the fact that Jesus called them, well, of course they dropped everything because they went, this is kind of the thing. So we looked at the fact that they were called. The next we looked at the, the teaching that they received. So Jesus teaches the disciples. And it's Jesus teaches us through his word, through Bible study, through his Holy Spirit. Then... Last time when we had everyone here as a joint service with all the other church, we looked at miracles and actually there was an expectation amongst the disciples. They would expect to witness miracles. They expected to see things happen, whether that was somebody being healed, whether that was a demon being cast out, whether that was a storm being calmed. They expected to see and witness these miracles. And then we get to this bit where Jesus sends them out. And he says, you're going to go and do those things. that You've watched me doing them. You've seen me doing a healing. You've seen me calming a storm. You've seen me casting out demons. Now, you go and have a try. Off you go. I'll see you in a little while. I quite like that as a model of uh, way of doing things. Because I like the fact that actually it wasn't all about Jesus. But actually, he empowers us through his spirit. He empowered the disciples. He gave them the authority. It's not about me. It's about us. Jesus chooses each one of us. And he says, okay, yeah, I'm giving you this authority. You're filled with the same spirit. But he gives certain instructions. And if you can read this same account... And it might be of a slightly different time because they probably got sent out a number of times to go to different places. So if you read it in um, Matthew, we're reading today, you've got Mark. I think Luke also does. I think it's one story that comes up in at least three, if not four, of the Gospels. So it's one of those that you go, this is pretty much how it happened. And they might have slightly different ways of telling it because actually they probably got sent out on a number of occasions. But he says on this occasion, 
Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So what he's saying is, go amongst people of your own kind. Go, go amongst the Jews. Go amongst the Israelites because there's, they need to know the gospel. They have some understanding of the faith. They have some understanding of the scriptures. We need for them to realise that the Messiah is here. Now we could interpret that and say, well, what our instruction from this is we should only go to those who perhaps are on the fringes of church or those that once came to church and we should just go and focus on them and we shouldn't worry about anybody else. At times, that might be the case. It might be that actually what some people are called to is to those people who have fallen away from church for some reason. Those people who had a disagreement with someone or someone said something or they got caught up in something in their life. But actually the accounts through the gospel and through uh, the rest of the New Testament, the Gentiles are included. Those of us that aren't Jewish get included. Um, And so I don't want to read too much into what happened at that moment. The thing that I love about this is Jesus says, you're going to go and do all these amazing things. But I don't want you to take anything with you. Now yesterday, we went down to my brother's. And we were going to his house. Everything that was happening as part of celebrating um, and naming um, Bella, as she's known. Isabella is her full name. Um, Was all taking place at their house. Lots of people were going to be there. We still had a car full of stuff. The boot was chock-a-block with things, partly because the pushchair takes up a lot of space, because we've got children, but then there's the nappy bag, then there's the spare change of clothes, then there's the things, because we're going to change the children into their pyjamas to bring them home so they can go straight to bed. Then there's the things that we needed to take to give to other people, because we were seeing them, and it's an exchange, because there were people coming from Plymouth, uh, and St Albans, and from London, and it was like, oh, there's an opportunity, we'll give you your birthday present and there's some things and you're giving us some things and it was a time of exchanging. Then there was the what if Arthur and Edith choose not to eat whatever is provided. We need to have some snacks. We need, the, we need those things for when perhaps because there's lots of people there and it all gets a bit overwhelming, they get a bit whatever. The bribery of the sweets or the particular toy. Then there's the thing where I occasionally get a funny blood sugar thing and get a bit woo um, and need to make sure that I have a drink or something to eat. So we've got to make sure we've got that. What if it rains? What if there's an opportunity for the children to go and play in the garden but it's a bit muddy? The stuff in our car, and that was just for a day trip. Jesus says, go and take nothing with you. I mean, I had my wallet, which has got, you know, cards in in case we had an emergency. We can phone the RAC and we can pay for whatever. And the list goes on. Jesus said, don't take anything. Just go dressed in what you're wearing. Don't take money. Don't take clothes, additional clothes with you or a special bag or anything. Just go as you are and trust that you will be provided for. I love that. That's a huge amount of faith. 
Because what you would have done, if you were traditionally in that time, you'd have gone, wait, it's dusty and I've got to walk to a place and if you want me to share the gospel, perhaps I should be in, in, in my right clothes for sharing it. And, and what if I'm there for a few days? How am I going to wash them? And if I go to the temple, do I have to wear particular clothes to fit in? What if I've not got any... How am I going to eat? If I've not, am I going to be kind of begging? or I'm, What do I do? Jesus says, no, you're going to be provided for. So you've got to trust the Holy Spirit that that he is going to provide for you, not just to perform the miracles in terms of a healing. You've got to trust that he's going to provide for you in terms of the miracle that there will be food to eat and there will be clothes to wear. And then he says, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person. I like the idea of it being a worthy person. I don't know how you pick out the worthy person. It's like, oh, let me have a look. Peter, maybe. Oh, let me go back. Oh, no. Sonia and Phil. Oh, Peggy. Maybe. Rosemary. Which of us would be classed as a worthy person? I love that. Um, I should have looked at a different translation of the, the Bible, see if they use any um, different words for that. I don't know how, is it the person you go, oh, they're worthy because they'll, defi- they'll provide me a good meal. They're, I'll make them the worthy person. I don't know how they identified who the worthy person was. But it says, as you enter a home, give it your greeting. In other translations, it does say, give it a blessing. If, you're, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Um, I remember hearing someone talk about this and I'm not a fan of evangelism if I'm honest if someone said to me right we're going to go and do evangelism I'd go Bill's fantastic Bill goes down the street with his little um, tracks gives them out to people doesn't worry about what anyone thinks or whatever he does it because he knows that that is what God has called him to I wouldn't want to do that. I'm glad that I haven't felt a big sense of God saying, right, I'd like you to go down the high street and just proclaim the gospel on the high street. I'm glad that that, I'm dreading the day when I hear that message somehow from God and I go, it's safe in here. You're all friendly most of the time, unless I go over. But he says, go and... And there'll be people of peace. People, let your peace rest upon them. And one of the the most helpful stories I heard of someone explaining about evangelism was talking about this passage or one of the parallel ones. It says, those people of peace, there's people who are interested, those people who want to find out more about the gospel, who don't mind you talking about it, not those who go, right, Here's, here's a good argument to be had. I can disprove everything you say. Not those people. Not those people who just go, yeah, whatever. But the people who have an interest. And the example they use, they were a golfer. I don't play golf. I know some of you play golf. Um, for those that don't play golf, um, you have um, a golf club. You hit a ball. It's small. goes a long way. Um, you try and get it in a really small hole that's like miles away and then you go after it and you repeat it all over again. Um, and if that wasn't tricky enough, they, some of the grass is a bit rougher cut than others so it doesn't, the ball might bounce or stop or do whatever. And then in some places they put sand 
So the ball might land in the sand and it's really hard to get it out of the sand and it slows you down and means you need to hit the ball more times and things like that. And what this person said was, he goes and plays golf. And when he goes on the golf course, he goes and plays, and sometimes he'll go with friends, and friends. sometimes he just goes on his own because he's got some time in the day, no one else is available, he'll go, he goes to the golf club and he has a round of golf. It's what he does, it's what he likes to do. Sometimes he will catch up some other people because they're in a group and they're doing it together and they're a bit slower. Sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, just play past us, and so he carries on. Other times, do you want to join us? And so he might join them and get to know them and play the last however many holes it is with them. I think that's quite a nice friendly thing to do. And of course the conversation starts. So yeah, you've been playing golf for a long time, blah, blah, blah. what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, that's interesting. Now my favourite experience of saying to somebody so far that I'm a pastor, because I said minister, I've said ministers to some people and people thought that I meant like a member of parliament. <laughs> my favourite one was when I told somebody I was a pastor and they said, did you say plasterer? <laughs> and we had a conversation for a bit where they thought I'd said plasterer and I was going, they've misheard this, but I don't know what they think I am. Um, he, said I'm a, he says I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, I might have said vicar to try and help people out. And some people go, oh yeah, not interested. Just doesn't, you know, whatever, you're a pastor. Fair enough. And the conversation continues and he doesn't worry about it. As it were, he kicks the dust or the sand off his feet and he moves on and they talk about whatever they talk about. But sometimes, someone goes, oh yeah, I used to go to church. My mum goes to church. My aunt goes to church. My son's just started going to church. What's that about? I went to an after course once. What church do you go to? And the conversation suddenly takes on a... We're suddenly talking about church. Or we're talking about Christianity. And without really trying, he's discovered somebody who is at peace and is open. Now... I don't know about the environments that you find yourselves in, whether it's work, where there's a staff room. I know my experience in the past has been in a, well, it wasn't really a staff room, it was an open plan office with a kettle at the end. Um, it wasn't really a staff room, but there we go. Um, but what would happen, you might have different environments. Maybe it's, maybe it's in Cornerstone. Maybe it's at a lunch club. Maybe it's somewhere else that you go where you meet with people. And you get into a conversation that says, so did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. What did you do? Oh, well, I watched X Factor. Or Strictly, or whatever the programmes are that I don't watch, so I don't know what's on. Maybe you say, oh, we went out for the day. We had a nice day out on Saturday. Lovely day it was. Maybe you say, oh yeah, I went to church. Minister, we haven't seen him for a few weeks and he talked too much. Something like that. I don't know. But I, I would find myself, I could drop into conversation at this particular kettle, because on a Monday morning or whenever it was that you saw people, you'd be gathering around the kettle, getting your cups of tea and coffee sorted out. So what did you do at the weekend? And if I said, here was at church, some people went, oh yeah. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, I then did this, and we'll talk about, yeah, I don't want to talk about church. Other people said, Oh yeah, what church do you go to? Oh, I used to go to that church. Oh, I know someone who goes to. And we'd find some, and they'd be interested. They are the people of peace. They're the people who Jesus says to the disciples, go and invest your time in these people. Because if you then 
if something happens at church, whether it's the carol service at Christmas, whether we decided to run an alpha course, maybe it's the international meal, maybe it's Easter. That, if you know who that person is in your life that does take an interest, it's not always the person that you want it to be. I know the number of times where I've really hoped that somebody that's a really good friend of mine would be the person that is interested. They haven't got an interest in the slightest. And there's somebody who just drives me up the wrong way at work. They're a bit annoying. And they're, oh, not, oh, really, God, them? I want to hang out with somebody else. Oh, what? We don't get to choose that bit. Sorry. But actually, if we were to invite those people who take a bit of interest into the life of the church, they are the people who are most likely to go, oh, right, yeah, you've talked about church a bit. Yeah, no, it sounds quite, I'm interested. They're having a meal. I could do it. I could do a meal. I've never been to a church service before. Church service, that's a different kettle of fish. But I could go to a meal. I could go to a carol service. I could go to a special event. I could maybe meet a few people. So my encouragement for us, because I'm evangelism terrifies me if I think about it in terms of being out on a street corner doing preaching, which is kind of the stereotype. But when it comes to who are the people in my life that actually have a genuine interest. That I have missed the opportunities, because I miss them all the time, to go, well, why don't you come? Well, you don't live around here, but would you like me to help you find somewhere? I know I've got contacts. We can find somewhere. They are the people that we should, that the disciples are instructed to go and invest time and relationship in. Because they are the people, when it says the kingdom of God is near, it's very hard to go, I can't say, well, the kingdom of God is near because you've just got to go through to West Drayton. The kingdom of God's just under the railway bridge. It doesn't work like that. The kingdom of God is near because of Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit and his presence with us. The Holy Spirit is all around. And the kingdom of God is near. And you get to see those glimpses and those breakthroughs. One day, a day is coming when, when all mourning, all tears, all pain and suffering will go. That is when the kingdom of God is fully here and present and we get to be with Jesus forever. In the time being, we get these glimpses of the kingdom of God. Some people talk about thin places, places where they go where they go, I just somehow feel closer to God there. I've been to places where people have said it's a thin place for them and I've gone, it's really not a thin place for me because it's not about the place in particular, it's about the way in which we are able to meet with the living God. There's places that I find, they just work for me as being closer to God, but I get a real glimpse of the kingdom, a real glimpse of the kingdom when I see and hear somebody going, I want to know more. I want to discover more about this Jesus that you know. I want a relationship with him. And if we want to start to see more people coming to faith, more people entering in, being part of God's kingdom, then we need to learn from this teaching of Jesus saying, go and identify the people who are the people of peace, who are already in your lives, that are around you, 
And it might be the person you speak to on the checkout in Audi. It might be the person that lives in your house. It might be the person you bump into at work. For each of us, it will be different. But for each of us, there will be people that if we stop and think and pray about it, will be the people of peace to whom we get to be sent to, to share about God's kingdom and his salvation. We're going to finish by singing a song that says, Here I am, wholly available. It's a challenging song to sing. It's a challenging song to sing because it says, Here I am, wholly, all of me. Not, well, I'll give you the bit on a Sunday and I'll give you this bit of me, but I quite like doing these things. And I don't want to share the gospel because it's a bit challenging. I don't like the idea of evangelism because, yeah. This is a song that says, it's a prayer, it's a commitment that says, all of me, all that I am, I am making myself wholly available to you, God, to serve you and to do your will. Shall we stand and sing together?